0: welcome in. Hey, today on the podcast, I'm sitting down with Nicole Serrano. About a decade ago, I was hosting benefit concerts in the Chicago suburbs with some of my friends. We were raising money for school and water projects in East Africa. And we were looking at artists that we could bring in to be a part of this thing. And uh, Nicole came across our radar. She was a worship leader in Minnesota. She had some just like really great uh, I think she had like an EP out at the time and a few songs that had uh, gone a bit more viral. And so she was gracious enough to come out to the concert. And uh, that kind of put her on my radar. So for the last decade or so, I followed her music journey and what she did uh, within worship and in Christian music. And uh, her story is one of being a part of like the mega churches, going on tours, all of that sort of stuff. And then went quiet for a few years and about, well, a couple months ago, she popped back up on my radar because she was coming out on Good Morning America. We're going to talk about that journey for her, her upbringing, and uh, really just talk about what it's like to change your mind and how does that shift your relationship with God? How does that shift your relationship with people how does it make you think different about the church and Nicole has been really encouraging even just from this conversation to me to to remind me how much i love music and uh, how much i enjoyed leading worship so that's been something that's stuck with me from this conversation i don't want to take up too much time here i do want to apologize ahead of time because i've been uploading the full videos and that didn't happen for this episode because there was some crackling on my side and then our voices and the video didn't sync up right so all that to say audio only today and uh there will be clips that'll go out on youtube shorts or instagram reels or tiktok so if you want to watch those hey this is a really good episode to to go plug or to go follow those accounts because you can't actually watch this full episode. So. All right, let's dive in. Here we go. This is my full conversation with Nicole Serrano. Nicole, I'm so pumped to have you on Undercurrents. Get to chat with you for the next little bit here. Thanks for, for for doing this with me. Oh
1: my god! Again, the internet connected us. I think it. Was it eleven years ago that we first
0: met? Yes, I was thinking about it, and I almost brought like a couple of pictures of what we would have each looked like eleven years ago because I had that that long, uh, real swoop hair that I'm I'm very proud to not have anymore. Um, <laughs> you,
1: hey, you rocked it! It was it was the right time for that haircut, though.
0: That was for a benefit concert at a church, which really does set up a lot of probably. What we have to talk about because i was speaking and singing in church in those days you were singing and doing all of the things in church in those Mm -hmm. days and i've kind of like slowly watched your journey on the internet and been like i resonate with certain things here that are happening and uh you're basically go from i mean leading worship in minnesota this is what i see so you can fill in gaps okay. that i don't see yeah. right and then it's like okay now I'm, you're out in colorado i see you on tour with large uh worship people and then all of a sudden quiet for a few years and then nicole pops back up in my feed like on good morning america <laughs> And I'm going, okay, wait. You might have posted something a few days before that. I don't know. But I was like, oh my gosh. And when you're when you came out and then it was on Good Morning America, I'm like, that was I mean, right around the time of COVID, our church was going through going from non-affirming to being affirming. We both grew up Mm. in assembly of God churches. So and like that also just changed the entire way that I thought about faith was really that topic. It started to really I don't know. It started, it started a lot of conversations and I can't even imagine your personal journey. So I want to get into a bunch of that stuff. Cause I'm just, I'm just having the conversations. I'm not actually having to have the courage that you had. So.
1: Well, um, I'm, I'm very, my dog's going to freak out
2: right
0: now, oh, but, um, that's fair.
1: <laughs> but I am, I love hearing from People who don't identify within the queer community as, you know, that being, wow, sorry. Um, my girlfriend just got home. <laughs> um, but just hearing that that's an issue and that is problematic for people that it doesn't directly affect. I'm always so interested to hear. So I can't wait to dive into that too.
0: I Wrote a bunch of questions that I'm like, these are the main things that if I walk out of an hour of talking to Nicole, I I want to know, I want to know what she thinks about these certain things or how her. Yeah. yeah. So part of the process, I think, would just be going back in your journey first to set the context and set like how you grew up in church and, and then some of the shift. So let's just start with that. I gave the broad, very brief overview, but what What's your journey with like music and church in the early years and and how did that develop into something that you were really giving a lot of your life to?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for caring one <laughs> and um yeah, some of the questions you sent over were very thoughtful and just showed that you have a lot of empathy, and especially in today's crazy world it just keeps getting crazier and it's just really refreshing to be able to talk to somebody who you can trust and look at and be like all right this is a good person so first of all thank you um second of all yeah it's been a wild ass ride (laughs) i um i was basically born in church my my parents kind of stumbled into church when i was four and my dad got radically saved in the assemblies of god denomination And so that quickly turned into the whole family coming to church um, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Friday, the whole, you know, four days a week thing. And that's really, it was most of my childhood just growing up in church. Um, My dad's a singer. And so he was always singing. He led worship for a while and um, I was crazy at home, but in public I was a little more shy. And so at home he'd be like, singing at the top of his lungs and I would quietly be like mousing harmonies and he's like what was that it's like nothing <laughs> so he like forced me on stage and uh, which I'm very grateful for now Um because I, I don't think I would have been courageous enough to be like I want to try that <laughs> so I was singing on stage um, at churches since I think it was 10 and I learned how to play all the things because he needed A drummer and he needed a piano player, he needed guitar, and so it's just like, all right, I'll try to figure it out.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's that's like ninety percent of church worship kids, right? I know. Just whatever the gap was in youth group, like that's how I learned guitar. That's I I got yeah, that's the same thing actually. I mean, my dad not forcing me into it, but someone heard me sing and then they're like, Yeah, you should like lead worship or something. And I never thought about it. So yeah, I totally get that. You whatever the gap is, you just fill it.
1: But like what a jump. Like you just sang a little line and then like, hey, you should go lead a whole congregation of people. And you're like, you're right. I should
0: (laughs) that's the logical (laughs) next step. Although that's a really cool there's not many environments. I will give it to the church. There's not many environments where that type of creativity and especially like hey In the Assemblies of God, there are some very creative outlets that now I, I, you know, I'm removed from, but also other, like, I wouldn't have ever picked up a guitar if I hadn't have been in that. I don't know. There's also the, like, human videos and things we don't need to talk about. We don't have to talk about that. (laughs) When When you get to college... That like at that point, you you'd already been leading for like churches for a while, and that because that seems to then start obviously you're having to make life decisions. That feels the logical next step of I'm gonna give my life to this music thing and church thing. What what was your thinking in that season of time?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think a. I think worship leaders are a special breed, <laughs> and I, I never really wanted. That's a lie. When I was really young, I wanted to be Darlene Check from Hillsong.
2: Okay,
0: fair.
1: <laughs> and I would get the little like worship leader suits with the, like it was bad, but
0: I wanted to be JD from United. <laughs> <laughs> we I could never have long hair like that, but I get it would have been
1: something wonderful um, if we had met earlier. <laughs> But I wanted to be, like, you know, a Christian singer for, like, five minutes. And then I was not allowed to listen to non-Christian music, so that was very sheltering. And I didn't know what was out there until I went to college. And But I always kind of felt like church music is cool, but it's different. It's like there's something more going on. There's something spiritual and emotional. And it's important, and it needs to be protected, you know? And so, bumping shoulders with a lot of other worship leaders throughout the years who kind of just liked the attention or liked the people looking at them and the like, you know, the, the church celebrity stuff, that always really bothered me. And um, so I was like, okay, I don't want to make a living out of doing that, but it's also all I know how to do. So I I was kind of in this tension of like, I want to be on this platform because I feel like there's a calling on my life to do that. But at the same time, I want to be an artist and I want to make money and I want to like not feel bad about making money. And so there was that whole thing. Um, But yeah, I had been doing that since 10 and never stopped and then went to college. Uh, I I worked at a manual Christian center. They were awesome. At that, I mean, at that time, I was so deep in the closet and so tormented that I, I just couldn't even like connect with people. Which
0: is okay. So can we talk about that for a second? We sure can. And I do not want to put I do not want to put you like on the spot at all. So no. you can yeah. But I, I, I also, came out I, Good Morning
1: I, America, so it's like at this point,
0: it <laughs> is true. What what's a more public way to to come out? I don't know one. Uh, in that season of time, there was also a little bit of like a running joke that Nicole might be dating Jesus or something. So what, what, what did you know about your sexuality at that point? Are you for sure like, I am gay, I know it, but I can't tell anybody? Are you wrestling through like, nah, maybe I'm not? Or what, how did you think about
1: it? I am a freak who I knew when I was three years old. And it was, I don't know, it's like, whatever you think about past lifetimes, it's like, you have wisdom in your body, like, I don't know. But this little baby three year old was like, I'm different. I'm noticing that all the movies I watch all the toys I play with, it's a boy and a girl. And what I am is not okay. And I can't tell anybody. And so nobody told me that nobody like, that was before all the indoctrination. And all the messages I heard, it was like, I'm not allowed to be this. I should be ashamed. So, I wrestled it with it my whole life, and my dad was also a pastor. So, I was a pastor's kid in the AG. And um, to me, it was like what a lot of people still say, which is like you just need to repent, and you need to trust in God, and you need to pray, and you need to do this long list of earning God's approval, and it'll go away. and So I tried that for years, didn't, didn't, you know, take away from like the deeply unsatisfied, sad, lonely person that I was. And, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm like, I'm a good looking person. So like, let me just date some guys and like, give it a shot. And
0: maybe it'll go away. Maybe just, yeah. yeah, Maybe this is how everybody feels.
1: Of course. So I dated, Every cute guy I could think of that was, like, not annoying to me. And, like, um, and a lot of them were super attractive. And that's how I knew that I was, it's not going to
0: mm. like, It proved it to you. You're like, I know that this person is yeah, attractive. Yeah, they're attractive. It's, it's they're not, kind.
1: They yeah. have a good heart. And, like, I still just can't, I can't want it. And so I did that, I mean, until... I was 28, but at the time in college, I just was so like, when you're told you're going to hell for being how you are, it's like you become a shell of yourself and scared of everybody. And it was just, yeah, it was really sad and lonely. And I felt like I had to hide this thing that I, at the time I was struggling with, I was struggling with same sex attraction. Um, and I couldn't tell anybody, um, and I couldn't really get help. Like, who's gonna, who's gonna help you? <laughs> like, I was, I was a pastor's kid. I was in leadership my whole life. I was in Bible school. I knew all the things. And it's like, you're not gonna tell me anything I don't know. So I just need to tough it out. And so,
0: mm-hmm. so yeah,
1: I did that for a really long time, and um, it never worked. But I thought it worked for a while.
0: You posed a really good question. So what? I, this is a peek behind the curtain of the podcast, but I typically just set a timer for like 45 minutes. And then I just deep dive into somebody's life for that time. And just, okay, what are interesting things? I might screen, screenshot some stuff or like anything on social for you, like going watching literal like clips, you leading worship, whatever, and just being like, okay. But you posed a question in an Instagram story where you said, why does it take so much courage to be honest? And that question is one I've thought about a lot too, because I didn't have the same feeling in church of there being this massive maybe thing that I had to like hide or deal with, or like what people aren't going to really be able to help with this. So what am I supposed to, Yeah. but yet still somehow I've come to the same question, which is so interesting because I can't imagine one, the weight that you felt because you did have that thing that was like, like, I know what people think about this and I know it's not accepted, but in general, there seems to be church environments that Already, if you don't add religion, Nicole, I've been in environments where I'm like, it's really hard to be honest. Then you add religion, it gets way harder because the level goes up of like, what's expected, what's required. If you're standing on a stage, we put higher requirements on those people. Mm -hmm. And we've seen how that works in non-denominational or AG. I mean, we could list a hundred pastors right Right. now that walked away from it all or were Ex-communicated because of stuff that they felt like they had to hide so i don't necessarily think either of us has an answer to that question but when i pose the question back at you what does it bring up like why does it why do you feel like it takes so much courage to be honest
1: i think i think um this whole idea of certainty is such a threat to anything real and I mean we both grew up in a in an environment that was like here's what you have to profess and confess and cling to. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust your your mind, your heart, your flesh. It'll fail you. Like so then what the hell do you have? Like you can't trust anything that was made in the image of your creator. And so it just strips you of all trust in yourself. And then it's like well, if, if I don't matter, if I can't, if I can't cling to anything that is inside of me, then like, I just do what the guy on the stage says to do. And my thoughts don't matter, because I'm not as smart as them. Um, and it just breeds an insecure person who just does the next thing that someone else tells them to do without really sitting with your own feelings or like feelings are the enemy.
0: Yeah, I literally was told feelings are the F word. Are you serious? That was it. that was a joke in a running joke in uh, I I won't say where that, but it was a real thing. P- feelings are the f word. Think about that now. From, I mean, the movement away from leaving some of that stuff and going. I mean, I, that's that's probably one of the biggest struggles I've had, is actually knowing what I feel. So to imagine being told that, like, oh, what you feel, like you shouldn't feel it anyway, dude. That's a crazy. It's a that takes a long time to process. I don't know. I'm I've I've said this already so many times. So maybe this is partially an Enneagram podcast, but I always say this is not an Enneagram podcast. But that was part of my healing process was thinking through I'm a I'm a three. And so very shiny, like put me on a stage, let me speak, let me perform, let me whatever the thing is. And it was a great artistic mm-hmm. outlet too. But then when you tell me that like feelings are the F-word, that that's really helpful for a three, because I'm I already don't know what I feel. Right. So you I don't even have to investigate it. And I probably from a lot of stuffing, you know, just don't feel that. Just don't feel that.
1: I'm I'm an Enneagram four. (laughs) So it was like, I want to (laughs) explode. You're telling me that I need to just ignore these feelings or they don't matter. It's like, well, then what, what do I do? Like, what do I do with what's going on inside of me? And if it doesn't matter, why do I have so many of them? And why are they wrong? So it's like, okay, me as a queer person, I'm wrong. Me for having feelings, I'm wrong. So like, what the fuck would you like me to do?
0: Encourage to be honest Um, about that then, because if you're not supposed to be feeling it and there's layers deep of that, then...
1: There's no point. And vulnerability was never... Never really there. Like, the only vulnerability I could think back to is like confession. Like when you confess your sins to a youth leader or, but it's like, for what reason? Like, what's the end? Like, nobody's really, Mm. is anyone getting better? Is anyone getting closer to like healing or is this all just performative? And so I just think, I think now I'm finally at a place where I can look at church organized religion and just be like, honestly, I, I'm sad that I feel this way, but I feel like it's all bullshit because the system, like having one usual white guy on stage telling everybody else what to do, (laughs) it puts so much pressure on him. Then he can't be honest. He can't be vulnerable. He doesn't have anyone to lean on. And then it just breeds hiding. And then if your feelings don't matter, then you don't have to think about it. You don't have to have accountability.
0: So it's but just, also you're jumping through a hoop there the whole- too, but not you personally, but when you get into that thinking, because if you can't trust your feelings or you can't trust some of what you know, then like, how do you know that the Bible that you were handed or the thing like everyone is in some way trusting their feelings, but maybe it's even a generational thing, like the church that we grew up in. Cause sometimes when I have these conversations with older people who like, weren't didn't feel the same things that I feel about church. I think they tried to communicate maybe the best they could sometimes definitely not, (laughs) but, but even if I'm going with the best of intention, thinking through it, the ways that it was communicated, how it made people feel, that's where the communication needs to happen now. It's like, Hey, this messaging over a series of years had me feeling like I couldn't trust myself. Even if that's not what you yeah. meant to do, that's how it came off. Yes. And so I, I just, yeah, I resonate with that a lot.
1: I just think the so many structures of, I don't know, the way that everything is organized. It's like, we just did things because we did them. Or we just did them because that's always how they've been done. And it it almost just felt like, wait, why, why are we taking communion? Or like, wait, why are we having a Friday you know, service before the big service and 17 services. Like why again,
0: the service needs nine prayers in it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I was just always wondering the why. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also really grateful for my parents who um, are just really strong people. And they raised, they raised me to believe that I could do anything and that I was capable. And they instilled me with a sense of confidence that never was taken away, which was really great. Before that was beyond like what I could do or perform. It was like, no, you have the right to, to speak up and do what's right for mm-hmm. you. Um, even if it meant doing what I did.
0: <laughs> so let's, let's keep this story going because there's a lot of other just church questions that we'll come into, but when did you decide this isn't working at all? So I'm going to find the courage somehow to tell someone what did, what did that look like? Cause were you, did you say you were 28 when that, when you finally like confronted it?
1: Yeah. I said, I say I was 28 when I came out to myself. So I, um, awareness changes everything, but I was becoming more aware of other people's stories and, um, I I was living in Denver and Denver's a blue state and it's a lot more progressive than Minnesota and uh, definitely more than Nashville. And so I was just like seeing a lot of rainbows and I was seeing a lot of like pride. And I was just like, okay, maybe what if they're okay? What if there's nothing wrong with it? So it started like thinking of other people what if someone's really born like that? Like what God loves everyone, right? Like, okay, God loves them. And then I would just hear different messages. Like there's nothing we can do to earn or lose God's love. And I was like, that's true. And I was like, wait, is that true for me? And I was like, maybe. Okay. So then I was like, I need to go to therapy.
0: It's <laughs> a good conclusion uh, to draw. I'm proud of you for that. that yeah. Good it was the
1: first time I went and honestly for 2 years i just sat with a the therapist and grappled with the thought that what if i was created like this by god and what if god loves me just the same even if i did nothing to change it and i think that was the hardest thing was to consider another possible answer to the questions that i'd been asking um so I sat with that for a long time. I read every book on it, every like podcast, like a lot of the same podcasters I'm sure you've like talked with, like a lot of those helped me through a really private, isolated kind of journey until I my body also helped me. I started having debilitating panic attacks and I had never really had an issue with anxiety and it just took me to the ER multiple times and I couldn't function normally. And so that was my body being like, hey, bitch, like we can't do this anymore.
0: Something's got to change. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, exactly. So I slowly started to come out to my friends and um, my brother and everyone was awesome. And I met somebody at the time and I was like, okay, we're gonna be open. We're just gonna be open. We're not gonna make any decisions. We, I can change my mind at any time. Um, but I was like, here's a shot at love and I didn't go looking for it. And I fell for her and it kind of forced me to make more choices. Um, so I came out to my family A couple years ago and at first it was hard obviously to be expected um but since then my mother has come with me to pride events and she's a proud ally and my father is very proud of me and my whole family like has my back and um for being a former ag pastor's family that's a miracle in and of itself um but yeah, that that shouldn't was, be
0: understated at all. That's worth sitting in even for a second because there are a million oh ways my God, yeah. and I you th- you think of the line, I forget who coined that, like the bad theology kills thinking of mm-hmm. that. I really do believe like people are good deep down, but then you're given so much thi- so much stuff, you're fed so much information and then you're told like if you don't believe this exactly right, you you know, you're screwed or you're going to hell and mm-hmm. you imagine That carried out over years. So then you get to, I mean, your dad, (laughs) your mom, the the age that they get to, I think of my parents or just the previous generation, they've been sitting in all this stuff for way longer than us. So then you, for you to come out and for them, even if it's hard to be where you are now, I mean, just commend your parents. That's, yeah, man, what (laughs) is, is it? A lot of is there a lot of like pushback in the initial days of just the typical things that you would hear and like the the normal fears that you kind of have to confront? People bringing up Bible verses that that sort of stuff, or how does that go? Is it more of just a they hear your story and then there's some quiet? What? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I went the route of writing a letter,
0: which I'm so smart.
1: Big, <laughs> yeah. I definitely encourage everyone in that position to do that because you get to say everything you want to say no interruption no emotional like throwing you off your course um lets them process it's more gracious for them um and so yeah after they got the letter they they had questions um at first we're like we don't agree but you're our kid and we love you unconditionally no matter what and Um, I think it helped because I was at that point in my early thirties and I was in a relationship for multiple years. So it was, it was kind of like, you can't really talk me out of it.
0: Yeah. You're independent. You're just giving them information about your life.
1: Right. I'm not 21 and just like trying this thing out and, um, I kind of figured it out. And so, yeah, we had some theological conversations and, um, I had basically written a dissertation at that point, like, of of why these six scriptures are, you know, this, 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 and this. And um, after, I mean, I I remember my mom emailed me because she was like, I want to make sure I say it right. It's
0: fair. She's writing (laughs) her letter back to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And she's like, so what do you think about the Bible and what this has to say about your choices? And I wrote back a long thing, covered everything. And then she wrote back, she's like, okay, well, to be honest, a lot of that went over my head and I don't understand it. She's like, but what I need, I do know how to do is love my kids. So that's what I'm going to do. And I was just like, oh, mm. <laughs> like that is the perfect answer to anything.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that's, we. there is space for questions because people have been given a way of thinking about the world. And that's, I do, I feel for, People that feel like they can't bring their questions because yeah, yeah, for whatever reason, no, there's room for questions. It's it's how it comes off. If you feel like you absolutely know, which brings it back to what you were saying about certainty earlier. Certainty shuts down conversations that need to happen.
1: Oh, every time.
0: And believing the best in people, even when they say something that you're like, eh, maybe I wouldn't say it like that. Or you have a question on the Bible that maybe I don't wrestle with anymore. But I'm going to hold space for you because I know that ultimately where you're coming from is love. That's such a beautiful way of... That's the only way that this ends up getting any better or moving forward. And I've seen a lot more of that, I guess, in the last maybe couple years. But I appreciate that. That's really, and, and it is funny that she emailed you. I would love to. I've gotten the occasional email from my dad and there's something special about getting an email <laughs> Person. like
1: we really want to get this right.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. So I want to I want to go from family back over to church world because what did that how does it go over there? I took a screenshot of some cover that you did and you put a little uh, text on the screen that said this one's for those who have been presented with the option to live an autonomous lifestyle or keep their church job but definitely not fired. So take me to that, Nicole. What's going on?
1: You are a good researcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's so it it feels so still. Fair. Um, there were definitely people who had my back and fought for me and protected me. And the one thing I will say that I'm thankful for at that period is that I wasn't outed and I wasn't, my story wasn't told for me. Um, And a lot of people in my position don't get that treatment, which is so disgusting. Um, So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, But yeah, I was presented with the option of, you know, either you break up with who you're dating and you are celibate for the rest of your life and you get to be alone. Or you can choose to live this sinful lifestyle and you lose your job. And so at the time I was like, you know, I'm going to break up. I'm going to break up. And then I was like, that's stupid. I can't. Um, and then I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm going. Um. And at the time I, I took the responsibility, like, it's it's really complicated, I think, because it's like, yeah, I chose to leave, but for a church that is seemingly so progressive and says everyone is welcome and makes it so hard for people to have clarity on where they stand with things. Um, I was even, that's why I even came out because I was like, I feel like I'm safe here. I feel like this is going to be handled well. And it just wasn't. And I was just, all right, thanks for everything, except for no thanks for anything and like leave in two weeks and just no honor, which is what churches like that preach every Sunday. No, no anything. There was no dignity in it. And it was just, it was really hurtful. It was painful. And that's why I kind of went dark for, I think it was like three, three ish years. And I was just, I was just trying to heal and I'd never wanted to step foot in another church and
0: we can, we it's can just pause. a lot to unpack. We can pause there. Yeah. I don't want to make, it, there's so many things that I even want to ask based on that. It, yeah. I want to get into what it made you start thinking about spiritually and how it like, what else does it start to maybe unravel or questions you start to ask? Cause anyone who goes through church stuff like this. Yeah it's not it doesn't just stick in one area and a lot of people no. ask you when you're processing all of it like wait so you came out but now you have this doubt or this question or this thing over here i don't get how they're related i'm like oh trust me everything's related because once oh, you start yeah. thinking about your the jesus you grew up with god you think about church the entanglement that's happening it's impossible to untangle in oh, I'm just moving this part theologically now. I <laughs> And I can't even imagine when it's attached to something like when it's literally who you are and you're, yeah. In getting, I mean, you didn't get fired, but to be asked to leave from a church who there's a lot there. Okay. Um I'm trying to think of where I, I want to take this. Let's go to, let, let's talk about your spiritual journey in that season. So when you're, in a place where you're asked to to leave. Are you angry with God? Are you I'm going to just walk away from all of it? Are what what's the first inclination of Nicole when All right, now I'm I'm out of church. I'm no longer this professional Christian. I can do what I want. I'm dating this girl. Where where does it take you?
1: I was really angry at the people I'd surrounded myself with for years and the level of hypocrisy. Um, I know you, you are too, very justice-oriented. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay, if you're doing this to me, why are you promoting the guy who outed me who is... very questionable in many different ways in the way that he conducts his character. If you're, if you're getting rid of me, why are you keeping this person? I could go on a list of things, but they, they continually got promoted or um, pushed more in the spotlight when I was coming to them from myself being honest and saying, I think that I'm a gay Christian. Is that okay here? (laughs) I'm just really realizing this instead of like hiding and lying and being so shady. And it's like, a lot of those people are still there in leadership. And that I think enraged me the most was just like, not that I'm better than anyone, but it's like, can we just tell the truth? Like, I finally got to the point where I saw the truth about myself. I realized I can't change it. I realized this is who I am. And I don't want to hate myself anymore. And you're kicking me to the curb.
0: Seemingly the time that the church should be most alive for you, that the community should most have your back. Yes. That's so frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) It's so frustrating. It's Uh. like
1: other lines are okay to blur. Like, other sins, if you want to categorize that as a sin, are, you know, more workable. So, like, you cheated on your wife or you beat up your wife. It's okay. We'll send you to counseling. But you can still have your job. But, like, I'm telling you, I think that I was born like this and nothing about my character has changed whatsoever. And there's not a place for me anymore. So, So, yeah, the hardest thing was was seeing the hypocrisy and just how any one person could decide what's okay and what's not okay. And it so was they, no longer.
0: They, you see their hypocrisy, but for your personal feelings towards like, cause community's one side of it t- towards God, does it just throw how you think about God completely up in the air or are you still hanging on somehow? Cause it, that's the, to be honest, that was the most vulnerable part of this story that I don't even, I still struggle to talk about because yeah. I don't, I don't want to alienate anyone listening to this. Who's just still super in church world. Like we all, I want to go on a journey with as many people as want to go on this journey with me. But when it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really community. There were people close to me that, I mean, our church decided to become affirming. So like the community in a sense made the decision. I'm happy that we made but at the same time how that was perceived by Christians as a whole made my brain just want to blow up and then made my thinking about God in many ways, blow up. We are not thinking or talking about (laughs) Christianity handed me this way of belief that like, I was so sure, oh, when we're worshiping, (laughs) we're all thinking about God sort of in the same way. We're all moving in the same direction. And then you go, wait, are we like, what is this? And so, yeah, what does it do for your the way you think about God?
1: I Okay, so a little bit before I'd left, my, my view of God had been expanding slowly. And I just, I really believe that God was more good and more kind and more loving in yes. more ways than I thought possible, which made the threat of being queer, like it doesn't- so Some of the therapy
0: to- stuff, everything, you're also yeah. addressing how yeah. big- you kind of alluded to that, like God is way bigger than this. So I can love myself and all of this. Then you start to tell people. So, okay.
1: Right. Like I don't have to earn God's love anymore. I never did. So, but so to kind of get in that headspace a little bit and like dip my toe in that water, it's like, oh, I think I'm missing a whole lot of this picture. And then to be handled that way by a very powerful, very influential church, with very little love i'm like how are you saying you're representing this and then i i don't know i think it was just like i was really done with people for a while and done with definitely done with church and i saw behind the curtain enough times at that point but for my thought with with god i don't know i i think i was curious about other religions and same, um, yeah, this kind of interfaith space of i I knew enough about like Islam that they call Allah God, and they mean the same God, they just aren't talking about Jesus, and it's just like, okay, so I knew that, um if you think of like Eastern religions or like <sighs> original people groups. Like, what is that all about? What is spirit about? What is energy about? What is higher power? And so I'm like, I think we're all saying the same thing.
0: Did you start? I could hear some specific voices from previous years of my life when I started asking those questions. Uh, uh Uh-oh, now Nicole's new age. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, oh, no. Now she's, you know, I just... Yeah, that triggered a whole new level of like fear and silence. I wasn't gonna tell anybody for a while how infatuated I was with Buddhism because it was like, "Dear God, if you think I'm off the rocker for my thinking on LGBTQ inclusion, I'm screwed." When I talk about this,
1: I'm telling you what Buddhism seems like the safest bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Um, I, yeah, I think I had done so much. Like, I already read so many Rob Bell books at that point that I was like. So I might be a little
0: new age. I don't know. <laughs> Put me in whatever camp you want. That's that's part of it. That's so cool about the journey is you're proving to, to yourself by having courage that you can be brave in other areas. So whether in the silent years, you're not, I mean, you're still proving to yourself over and over again. Like I have the courage to figure out who I authentically am. Yes. I can read whatever I need to read. Yes. I can take in information and it doesn't pollute me i had a a girl on here uh she the first few times she did yoga she felt like oh god this is like the devil's thing you know that's what she had been told all growing up so she's like i have to think of bible verses as i'm in this yoga class and just it sounds crazy to say out loud yet at the same time i can put myself there with certain things i'm going we think like content is off limits we think Uh, even just having constructive conversations between like, wouldn't we, I don't know, wouldn't we rather know what we have in common than all the things that separate us? What
1: have they done to us?
0: (laughs) It's such such an, it's so, it's so odd. It's so odd. I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're saying, because I do think oftentimes as people leave church, they either have A lot to work through on the people side, which it sounds like that's your story, or on the God side. And we're a little different in that yours seems more on people. And even though people sort of treated our church bad, it made me really question what do I actually think about God? What do I actually think about Jesus? Yeah. Worship. Yep. (laughs) Let's go there for a second. (laughs) I love music. Uh I love singing. And when. Everything happened with icon and with the church. Uh, I couldn't sing anymore. <laughs> really? I could not get myself to and still it's very difficult because it was so attached together. Sometimes it's healing when you pick up the guitar and you like play something that you maybe used to sing. Yeah. Sometimes I, I hear lyrics and I'm like, dear God, what was I singing? Yeah. So <laughs> what how does your Relationship to music, heal you, hurt you. How does it? What do you think of music in in that season and and now? I because I've even seen. I mean, I and saw you're like. I don't know if you're you're currently leading worship at a church. We can get there in the future. But I heard you in a little interview clip where you were leading New Wine, and I almost bawled, Nicole, because I was like, I haven't heard that song since in four years. I was like, mm, okay, so just <laughs> take me into take me into your brain on this stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I decided a while ago I was gonna I was gonna make music my career, and thank God, good decision. Yeah. So I was like,
0: <laughs> thank you for doing. It.
1: <laughs> I I think I got a little defiant too towards the end because my voice was on. 90% of the records that came out of churches, a church I was part of. And um, I was like, you are not going to keep me from doing what I do. You know, I was like, at first it was hard because it was like every week I would sing how many services and and my own music kind of shrunk, you know, um, and when you're doing so much worship stuff, It's kind of like it takes up so much of your brain, at least for me, that I just didn't didn't write as much or I didn't do anything else. And so I came to Nashville right after that whole thing and I would just like sing to myself and like, in a sense, like sing over myself in a weird woo kind of way and like just trying to find the healing and not letting the sound of my own voice trigger me. Um, because it was used to singing in certain spaces, and I am really shocked that my view of God didn't. I don't know why.
0: No, I think it's beautiful. I legitimately, I think it's so cool. I I do think there's, and I want to hear what you're gonna. say There's a health to the the way that you did it, in that you were in a setting where you could think about. How much bigger God is than just the situation you found yourself in that makes it unique, versus if you had had to process that more publicly first, and th- maybe those things would have been more attached together.
1: Yeah, all of it, you know, you think you get to a place where you're like, oh, it makes sense, it's clear. And then you just start talking about it again, and you're like, I don't even know. But I think I, I was angry that. I was angry with God for letting me be in that position for a while. I was like, why would you even open the door for me to be there and like, let me get this hurt and this devastated. But now it's like, okay, well, if I didn't, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So it's, I think time helps. I don't think time heals anything. I think it helps. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I came back and I was like, all right, I am gonna pursue music. I'm not gonna let worship take all of my energy and effort. And so yeah, I came back and I was kind of hellbent on making it work. And it's working. <laughs> I did it. Um, hmm. and then that that girlfriend that I was in a relationship with, she she wasn't um, she didn't have the same experience um with her church and the same kind of trauma but she came and visited me in nashville and one of our favorite podcasters um pns and jared bias jared bias was at the church here in nashville and she was like we have to go here and speak and i was like i'm not going to church." <laughs> and i went to church and met him and met the pastor and the pastor knew a lot of the people that I knew from Denver and um ended up going cuz it was a different kind of church and it felt like church rehab. It was very progressive, very affirming, very um inclusive and so I was like, "All right, maybe there's more to this." And there's also a flair of interfaith, you know, conversation and um definitely more universal um bigger picture. So I was like I didn't know enough about that, so I wanted to go and learn. That's where And then fast forward, now I'm leading worship.
0: <laughs> so you're ahead of me in that. I don't know if I don't know what the future holds there, but not in the, so the church journey is similar. We've been going to a a Presbyterian church for a, few, a couple months and I haven't said this on any of the podcasts yet. Uh opens up a whole new Maybe like can of questions gives seeing the world from like a bigger perspective, being allowed to ask questions in church. I've had like two or three moments where I'm biting my tongue and like holding my jeans as like tight as I can because I'm like, do not start bawling right now (laughs) as you're hearing them be like, oh, it's safe to ask questions or it's safe. Like certain things where I'm not even sure. You said something earlier that made me think about this too, but I'm not even sure if. Growing up in church, we weren't told to ask questions or that wasn't encouraged because sometimes I think even in AG circles, it was, but again, it was how it was perceived. And if you ask this question, we will give you this book to read because this is like the church agrees with this author or the, and and so what it's doing is, yes, you were told you could learn, but you were only told to learn in a certain direction in the same way you said the whole everyone is welcome line. And it got me thinking, I mean, almost any church that's on the path to being a megachurch in America right now has that line somewhere in their lobby, somewhere on their website. And it's just not, it's not true.
1: It's, not it's true. true
0: to an extent in that everyone is welcome to come in and participate by sitting at a Sunday morning service in a Sunday morning service
1: and tithing. But
0: and tithing definitely. If you'll give them their money, awesome. They need a new light, but <laughs> but what that actually means? I mean, Nicole, that was the that was the trigger for our our pastor. He had a, a couple come up and say, "Hey, will you do our wedding?" And they're lesbian couple, and he's like, "Shit, I I I, I want to do their wedding, but I can't because I know our bylaws, and I know and and I feel that because I also went on a journey the ten years before that." where anytime someone would sort of i think you'll understand what i'm saying kind of move the line where at first it was just we all know you, you can't be lgbtq affirming it might even it might have been on the website back in the day it was definitely it was it was public and then yeah. pastors got creative and that felt more loving for a season like oh, we're going to kind of hide it. We want people that at least feel like they can come. We'll have a sermon where we apologize to the LGBTQ community. We won't say we're affirming, but we'll apologize. And it kept kind of moving the line. And something in me the whole time was like, yeah, like, please keep moving the line. <laughs> like, I right. feel like this, is, this line shouldn't even really exist. But I couldn't say that. I didn't have the theological, like, liberty to say it. And so, but... I feel like there's people listening that are, that have been in an environment where when, (laughs) when a pastor is apologizing to the LGBTQ community or they're right on the verge of like being affirming something in your heart, like leaps, like you want him to say it, but you don't have the words yet because you've never been allowed to even whatever, explore that. And Anyway that's a, that's a tangent, but you just no
1: i I feel it and it's I felt that same way every time I saw it in the service, and it was like the line kept changing, yeah, like, and then being in Denver, too, is like let's talk, talk about marijuana, I'm like, oh my God, we're so edgy, like we're so progressive, <laughs> like
0: figure out a way to be edgy right up to the freaking point of actually changing your mind
1: right. But Uh, and, and that's the thing, going back to what you said earlier about like the older generations, they could see things for how they were intended, but not necessarily how we felt, you know. So like with this whole conversation, I don't know. I don't know the intention of those pastors to put everyone is welcome. If that's a good intention of we want people to feel love and experience God's love when they walk in here or where my brain goes now let's trick everyone and get all their money and make them feel like they belong to something, but we'll never let them be in leadership, you know? So it's just, and it's hard. Nobody can really judge the intention, but it's, it's harmful at this point. And that's, that's where the problem is. Just take it off if you don't mean it.
0: Okay. So can we have you play a song?
1: We sure can.
0: I had I have a few more questions that we can end with, but I think it would be awesome to have you do time for everything. Uh, yeah. let's let's do that. We've never had a song on the podcast, so you will be the first for that.
2: Oh
1: I hope it's gonna sound okay. I don't know what the
0: Well, the good thing is it's recording audio through the thing we're on, like in the best quality it can in like video, even if it looks choppy on my end or whatever, it records it in higher. So we'll see, we'll see, maybe this will half work or maybe we'll end up having to put in some like thing in editing and I'll, I'll make it sound better somehow. Who knows? But let's try it, this will be great.
1: I'll try to be really cognizant of the power of the iPhone. You can you hear that okay?
0: Can, yep, we're good.
2: everything under the sun. At least that's what I had learned when I was young. Lately all the time it shows you can't trust everything you're told. This is what it's like. blame I mean, is this really what the bride is for? Less space Where's the time I'll always hold what it's given me, even if you disagree. Cause there's a time for everything under the sun, and it's time for us to learn how to really
0: love. Goodness.
1: <laughs> like, why did I write a song that's so hard to sing?
0: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Man. Can you read the lyrics to the bridge? Do you have yeah. that still, like, right in front of you? Um, that bridge is. Yeah,
1: the bridge is. So good. I know the truth is worth fighting for, but something isn't lining up anymore. Because a God who would rather die than not have us right by their side. Is more about love than we'll ever know. More than we'll ever
0: know. I took that from Mega Church World and made the bridge the good part. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it the the truth that resonates there so deeply for me now, as my thinking has evolved is when you just start, even the name of this podcast, Undercurrents, like what's at the core of things, what's under all of it. And the part that never dissipated for me, even when I had a lot of frustration, it was like my theology with God. Like there's some sort of core belief that if there is anything worth fighting for, yeah. it's love. If, if there is a God, like something deeply resonates in me that, that God is love yeah. that hasn't left. And so when you get to that bridge, I just feel all of it. And then I'm like, yep, that's, that's what I come back to is even just the word unconditional. If I could have everybody sit and do a meditation for 30 minutes on what unconditional actually means yeah. and that you are unconditionally loved. Dude, it'll change your whole theology. So many things that you think matter will not matter. Yes. No more. So many things will fall off of you that Like all of the fighting, all of the weird debates that you find yourself in in church world, so much of it goes away when you're just, wait, didn't, haven't we heard our whole lives that like God is unconditionally loving? Does that still resonate at any part of your being? Because that's what I couldn't let go of. Yeah. Something there still resonates for me and is worth being explored. I hold on to almost nothing else at this point. Yeah.
1: Same. That's where I'm at. Because, hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's the thought of love, the concept of love. And the fact is, like, we are all imperfect. We've all been hurt. A lot of us have never been shown love. And that's just cyclical. It just keeps going. And, yeah, if we just all sat under the messaging and a meditation of you were unconditionally loved, like, that would change everything. But it's because we don't believe it for ourselves
0: agreed yeah there's it's yeah we're in we're in alignment there you you said something really early on that i also feel like would be good here towards the end which was talking about just staying true to yourself i've thought a lot about in the last three years how little i knew about personal agency when i was in church world just owning my life owning my choices uh feeling my emotions, but then also deciding what I do with those. Uh, yeah. How do you now think about staying true to yourself? I mean, you're a four. There's an individualistic good side to you that you said kind of got a little fierce in leaving church, which I'm like, I would yeah. cheer that on. But what are those ways that you <laughs> continue to keep that at the front? Like, I, I want to stay true to myself. I want to continue to be honest, live into that agency.
1: I think what's kind of cool, and I think every person who comes out later on in life, they experience kind of like, oh, I feel like a baby gay, or I feel like, Mm. um, I feel like I'm 12 years old, like, I don't, how do I want to express myself, you know, like, what, what do I want to wear? What do I, you know, I think that's part of it. I think also just staying curious and staying open and um, never thinking that I know anything really um but yeah i've i've been handed many lessons of trusting myself even even more the last year even when i thought i got kind of to the finish end with with all of this and it's like uh finish end finish line Mm. um yeah it's like i'm constantly feeling the pull of like do i trust my gut and what i know and what i deserve what I want are my needs being met am I getting the life that I've like fought so hard for and because I have the tendency to just be like oh well it's okay Mm. it's either like it's okay or like let's burn it down there's like
0: not (laughs) much in between (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah just trying to like Tap into my feelings and express, cause even though I'm before, like I grew up in an environment where it was like emotions aren't cool. So it's like letting them out and just just being alive, just letting whatever comes up be, um, honoring it and not holding so tightly onto anything really, because everything's temporary and just enjoying the life that I have right now. Cause it's probably going to change, you know? Um, yeah. I think just learning to be content and to be happy, um, which was never anything I heard of, you know, like that wasn't a priority in the old world that we come from. Um, but it's like, why not? Why not try to find the joy in the mundane? It's hard, but like, what else are we going to do?
0: It's good. I got a couple more here. One is you you mentioned it earlier around awareness and just the key of continuing to just raise your level of awareness. What's been most helpful for you in that? Was it therapy? Was it having like the right people around you kind of ask questions? What has what that, that journey been like for you?
1: I think it started with um, friendships that were a little more thought provoking and had a little more depth asking questions that a good therapist would ask. And I was like, I didn't know people could think like this. (laughs) It's like it'd been stuck in my head, but I didn't know like, the community and the closeness and the bond that comes with that. Um, And then therapy just kind of shot that through the roof. Um, Therapy really is, I think, the most helpful because it it forces you to be aware of your own inner world. Um, And when you can kind of heighten that, you're able then to be more aware of what's going on around you. I've always been a little observer my whole life and always trying to find meaning and things and connect. Why does this make this happen? Or like when they're like this, that is the result, like, what does that mean? Um, so I think just that all just gets like sharpened. Um, but yeah, I, I think just, I wish people were more aware, more self-aware and more aware of other people, especially right now. Like, I don't know if you've heard what's going on in Nashville, but it's just like bill after bill against LGBTQ and then a shooting. Um, It's just, there's so much polarization and such a lack of thinking about the person who was in the wrong or the person who was wronged, or the person who's being targeted and it's just so us versus them. And it's, I I just, it makes my head hurt. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard just to think, Mm. (laughs) just to consider the view from someone else's eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I feel like I don't even, what do I know?
0: Like, well, you have your story and I think that's, You do know something like, no, seriously, people are going to listen to this hour and 10 and they're going to go, oh, I resonate with a lot of what you're saying because it's just, it's lived experience. Do, am I convinced that I know far less than I thought I knew five years ago? Oh, absolutely. That's 99% of awareness is really realizing how little, you know, but then there's some sort of thing that bubbles up in that where you also kind of go, oh, but if I know so little. It's an invitation into everything you get to become a kid again. It's what you're saying about coming out in your late twenties or like just later, you're all of a sudden you're, you're new again, you're (laughs) Christian language. You're born again. There's something happening there. That's a really beautiful invite into life. So I, I, so cool. Okay. We're going to wrap this up. I always do this. And I told you before, so I'm not throwing, just putting you on the spot, but I am calling this like growth gauntlet, growth mechanism, something that I can go do, try. It could be a food, it could be a book, it could be a place, it could be, I mean, it could be a lot of things. Obviously, depending on how difficult the thing you're about to say is, (laughs) I I can't tell you when I'm gonna do it. But whenever I do the thing, I will then report back to you. And future episode, I'm gonna tell people about like trying this stuff. So what comes to mind? What do you want to like challenge me to to try? And uh, help me kind of expand myself.
1: Wow. We're, I'm a bad little church kid right now. But <laughs> I think you should try a certain kind of plant medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: figured I a like, podcast, Nicole, about. for this. Uh.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, you want to talk about expanding your awareness of spiritual energy, being... Um, wisdom, we can talk more offline about that, but
0: <laughs> all right, you heard it here first. I'll report back. Maybe it'll be a, a secret episode that no one ever gets to hear, but that's a good challenge. That's fair. Uh, Nicole, Sounds thank you, thank you a million times over for uh jumping on here for being vulnerable.
1: We were supposed to know each other.
0: I appreciate you sh- sharing everything you did. It, it means a lot. Thank you
1: so much. You're awesome. <laughs>